Welcome back to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat, go-with-your-gut champion, and a numbers-obsessed, spreadsheet-loving nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? Joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd? We're recording again here. We had two episodes released over the weekend, and we're just keeping it rolling with tight ends today. I think we got to calm down on the back-to-back. We're spoiling the people. The people are spoiled. I don't know if they deserve it. Do you think they deserve all these like back-to-back episodes, David? I don't know. Uh, I think it's this, it's this like intermittent fasting type thing with the Taylor 2 Rivals, so it just it's that much sweeter. <laughs> <laughs> that's that would really that's a really good way to describe our recording schedule lately. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean Dave and I both have like things going on. Like Dave's about to become a dad. I am very much a dad of a soon to be three year old. So life gets busy. We both so love our fantasy. We still both find time for you, our listeners. So David, I just wanted to share a couple of quick things. So I um, had a pretty embarrassing loss uh, this week. In the first ever Arcade Olympics with our uh, good friend Brian Sad, I had an epic faceplant. It was a 4-0 sweep, including a loss in Papa Shot and an absolutely dominating performance by him, 7-1 in air hockey. It was not good, to say the least. Um, Hopefully your son wasn't around to witness this this humiliation. Thank God he was not. Uh, Brian Sad's got some ski ball skills, might I add, too. Dude can ski ball. Yep, so... Wrapped up my Scott Fishbowl draft. Uh, loving my bill for the first year. Um, definitely uh, taking some risks at the RB2 situation. And I'm putting all my eggs in the Mike Gusecki basket, which I will get more into today. And what else is going on with me? I have like a million and one uh, Debbie drafts going on right now. And it's so fun. And I'm also looking forward to the IDP Invitational Tournament uh, drafts coming up, which is uh, all the... Uh, all the dues go to support uh, Autism Awareness, which is phenomenal. I think last year we raised like just under 2K in the first year, which is fantastic for the first year. And go look out, uh, look at, be on the lookout for some of the Eliminators. Some of those are still popping up, and I'm doing a couple of those. So I'm in draft heaven right now, Dave. I- I'm I'm living life. How are things going with you, buddy? Living the dream, man. We're uh, yeah, we're just get checking things off the honey do list, which has been exciting and. Uh... Yeah, man, just I've, I've been thinking a lot of fantasy uh, in my spare time and, and just having a blast with the fantasy, trying to enjoy my last couple weeks of quote unquote freedom before diving into, you know, being a dad. And, and I've been doing that by thinking in, in a lot of fantasy. And so I, a lot of big picture things, trying to work my way down to some more concrete, you know, zooming in a little bit more. But I've had a lot of fun with that. I've had a lot of patron requests lately from the old patron and been really enjoying doing a lot of different projects for for the patrons. So that's been a lot of fun. And besides that, Todd, I am just I am all about Tale Two Rivals, Rookie Fever, and keeping this train going here, my friend. I kind of forgot a big piece that we should share with the people. Brent in my C two C league was kind enough to make a generous donation to have our league evaluated by two analysts. Dave was one of those analysts, <laughs> and so and the other. Other one was Dynasty Coach A from the Monocle podcast. Uh, just saying, like, tier two, like, what the heck, bro? 
Yeah, Todd, I got all this pent up emotion and I was getting told by everyone that, you know, you, you, this is your chance to stick it to Todd when he can't respond. And, <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, that's it. And, and yeah. lo and behold, you did respond immediately in several text messages <laughs> when, I, when I dropped the F-bomb, F-Todd right off the start of the podcast. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Long story short, is just like, I'm definitely a tier one team. But it was funny. I'm a complete narcissist and just fast forwarded to my team. Also, I'm a dad and I had like 15 minutes to listen. So I'm going to listen to the whole thing later this weekend. In my evaluation so far, everybody's a year away. So no one's winning this year. So I, I, I feel like the title's rolling over to 2022. But uh, no, it was, it, was, it was fun. I liked the opening and I listened to Drew's team and I listened to mine, but I look forward to listening to the rest of it. But it's awesome you guys were doing that for charity. And uh, it, was, it must have been a lot of fun to do those. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of work goes into them, but it's been it's a lot of fun to get them out there. I mean, we've Ray, John, and I have we and thank not just us because it's the leagues that are basically raising this money and donating at least a minimum of a hundred dollars to any charity of their choice. And then we do a two hour. Essentially, it's turned we, we said like an hour podcast. It turns into a two hour podcast for everyone's league, and we break down the leagues for everyone and, and our takes on teams. And we and we just get essentially. People pay charity, money, and we crap all everyone's team. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, my, my team was poo-pooed on a little bit, and I, uh, it's all good. It's all good. I'll just keep Taysom winning. Hill and Jameis Winston is your QB2 Todd. QB2 Todd is, is a problem. That's my QB3. You guys just like Cam skirted. Newton is QB2? Yeah, to start the year. Okay. Until I figure out who my QB2 from the Saints is going to be. <laughs> yeah, so, right, so you're wishy-washy on your QB2. The cost between, because it was an auction, my cost between Cam, Taysom Hill, and Winston was like under like 20 bucks. I, I definitely made some mistakes at the QB too. I was like, I kind of felt like people were going to, so I went and like kind of like pivoted away from that to get more value out of that. And that's why I was able to get all those like wide receivers. I was able to get Russell Gates for six bucks and flip him in uh, for Thielen in a trade. So that was pretty nice. I do like that trade. Yeah. I ended up giving up like some like some Debbie capital, which was totally fine with me. All right, so, David, question of the day. You ready, buddy? Let's do it. What was your favorite concert? Would you like to start, sir? Yeah, I'll start tonight. Uh, today. Uh, this was really difficult, one, because I realized how long it's been since I've been to a concert. I think the last concert I went to was Jimmy Buffett, which is always a phenomenal time. Uh, the tailgating there is legendary. And my wife and I always go with my parents, which is always a great weekend, family weekend to go. And just if anyone's never been to a Jimmy Buffett concert, the tail, I don't think you can beat the tailgating. There's literally pirate ships, like school buses turn into pirate ships. Everyone's giving out free alcohol. Uh, the food is awesome and everyone's in a good mood. Nobody's being jerks. I really enjoy that part of it. So Jimmy Buffett overall has been one of my favorite concert experiences. Another one, Todd was Dispatch Zimbabwe. A local band in, in New England is Dispatch, and they played at Madison Square Garden back when I was in college. They got, I think they were like not together, and they got back together for this concert, and it was unbelievable. People like, it turned into a whole weekend with my college buddies uh, doing just crazy fun things, and we came in on the train from Massachusetts, and people were just dancing around Madison Square Garden on the levels just to the music. It was a great experience and they go hard in their live music. I really enjoyed it. And then really struggled between a lot of options between, I really enjoy Sugarland that I had an amazing concert uh, 
with Shirley and the Country Band. Zach Brown Band also was a great time. And then, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm not going to put Tom Petty, which was essentially an all-star cast, or like listening to a Greatest Hits album when I saw Tom Petty with our friend Bobby Grant and his wife, Todd, years ago. And so what eked him out was Eric Church and Kip Moore playing together. That was a phenomenal show out in Amherst, Todd. That was, we had a great time. And just, I really love, I don't, I think Eric Church isn't as poppy country. I think he's a little bit more of a real edge to him. You, you identify with his lyrics a little bit more. And the same thing with Kip Moore, who I just absolutely love. One of my favorite country artists out there. So yeah, I really, those are my favorite concerts, man. Really, really. I'm a big concert goer. I really love going to live shows and I can't wait to go to another one, man. How about you? I've been to so many shows in my life. I could go on and on, uh, but I narrowed it down to three. All right. In third place, Eric Clapton. I saw Eric Clapton at the Boston Garden my junior year of high school, and it was unbelievable. I was a massive, I still am a huge Clapton fan, but that's when I was really becoming a Clapton fan was in high school. Like, I remember him playing Bell Bottom Blues and just being absolutely swept away by that. Lale was just fire. It was phenomenal. But his encore was Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and he did, like, pretty much a solo, and then he kind of went into doing the whole singing piece. It was it was mind-blowing. It was probably, like, a very significant concert in my life of becoming a music lover. Second is uh, from my hip-hop uh, piece. So I went to the Rock the Bells tour, when the headliner was a tribe called Quest, which is one of my all-time favorite groups, if not my all-time favorite group. Rock the Bells is like a massive, massive tour, and at that point, Tribe had not played in a um, tour together for like eleven years, and I was probably in my like early twenties, so like it was the first chance I probably really could have like drove out by myself to go see them. So we decided I went with my one of my best friends, Matt, and we decided we're going to go to New York. We went to Jones Beach to see it, and it was unbelievable dude like like Nas and Jay-Z did a set together Tribe Called Quest like closed out the night and like Busta Rhymes came out to do scenario with them it was unbelievable dude and it turned out to be the only opportunity I got to able to see live uh Tribe live because very soon after that Five Dog passed away and then um, obviously Tribe is not gonna replace Five Dog but the winner and will probably always be the winner is when I saw the roots at Connecticut College because the opener was my brother's band. And um, I just have a lot of fun memories and some forgotten memories from that night when I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> this was like the days where cell phones were like, no, not everybody had a cell phone. And I was in the dressing room and I was like, you know, being a dumb teenager, I just like went into the Roots dressing room and Quest Love, who's the drummer for the Roots and probably more people would know him more as uh, the leader of Jimmy Fallon's uh, band now. I, I picked up his phone that said Quest Love on it, on his banner. I'm looking at it because I'm like, because like a banner on the phone was like amazing. And Quest Love walked in while I'm holding his phone. And I had to explain myself how I was mesmerized by his name on the phone. And he just laughed. He said, oh, good. And asked me to put down his phone. <laughs> and then um, uh, my brother always did a bass solo at the end of his warmups. And uh, Hub from The Roots asked, Who's the white boy popping the strings? He plays bass like a black man, which is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life. But the cool thing about The Roots also opening, my brother opened for The Roots is, they happened to be my favorite band at the time when he landed that gig. So I was obsessed with the album Things Fall Apart. when And that had ju- that came out that year. Yeah, so I watched the whole so- show from side stage and it was absolutely unreal, man. It was such an unreal experience. That sounds like a really good time. And 
part of this is a little bit of a reflection of Scott Fishbowl, you know, being the music themed. And I think one thing that when we're both talking about music, I think it it's a, it becomes not just about the music, it's the experience and all that went into going. And I think that's a kind of a theme that just it's that's kind of what's special about music. It's a, it helps you remember people, places, and times of your life. So that's real. That's why I really you know you know I'm a big nostalgia guy, Todd. So I never picked up on that with you at all. I never picked on you being very nostalgic. Um, all Come right, on, every every freaking question of the day, I'm all over nostalgia. Man, you did not pick up on that sarcasm very. I well. couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> quite pick up on it. I didn't know. I was like, uh, "Is he being sarcastic?" And he, he you deadpan that pretty good. So, thank you. I tried my best. All right, so let's get into the topic. So uh, we've done our QB running back, uh, QB tiers, our running back tiers, our wide receiver tiers. So we're gonna wrap it up. Tight end tiers. So it's an incredibly important position in your fantasy football rosters. Okay, it's really not that important. Uh, you could possibly stream them, uh, but you could def- it could definitely be a difference maker if you nail the position. It does give you an edge on other teams. So you do need to value the position. You just don't, I don't believe in overpaying for uh, the position. Dave, I'm going to kick us off with like developing tiers. So I would say that Dave is a pretty classic tight end punter, as I am. So I'm looking for value a little bit later. Even in C2C's uh, drafts, I feel that way when on the college side, except with Michael Mayer, who I'm obsessed with. Yes, I understand Kelsey's dominance. And I like Waller, and I like Kittle, but I have my longevity concerns and all that. So those guys are definitely in that tier. So even though I put those guys in those top two tiers, I'm more looking in the middle for my starter. And figure out where I'm okay with targeting. And it's usually I'm targeting a tight end, usually around like round eight, usually later, uh, if I'm in like a startup for a dynasty. So what do I look in looking for like a later tight end or for just developing my tiers in general? Production and targets. And that's what makes Kelsey absolutely just dominant. Absolutely just dominant. And you can actually find guys that are putting up pretty decent production with pretty solid targets with the opportunity of maybe getting more. Obviously, productions and targets athleticism. I'm not looking for just some big guy who could just not particularly fast, not particularly athletic, you know, like, which is actually funny because that's what Kyle Rudolph kind of is. And I loved Kyle Rudolph, but <laughs> that would be like, so like, I like a more athletic kind of like fluid app. Uh, for a tight end, the QB match means more to me than other positions because I kind of feel like a good QB like really like maximizes like a tight end, particularly opposed to like other positions. I definitely value a tight end as part of a good offense. And I, cause I think that good offenses produce scoring opportunities and that's where tight ends really become like a lot of tight ends are TD dependent. So like if I'm really going to roll the dice on that, so that's where that becomes part of it. And then obviously size for me is a big part of it. I'm looking for a big target, somebody who has like, you know, a good catch radius and stuff like that. So what about you, Dave? Do you have anything that you want to add about your uh, tight end targets? I mean, your tight end tiers? Yeah, I will say that I have struggled more on developing my tight end tiers. I did not have nearly any issues last year when we did this type of episode. This year, I find the tight end position extremely fascinating. I do not think that it's Kelsey rinse and repeat because he is getting, I think that we're going into his age 32 or age, I think he's going to be 32 this season or he turns. Yeah, so he's older, and you know how I feel about age. But then also, 
we've got some young ascending tight ends heading into their year three in Hawkinson and Fant. You've got Mark Andrews, who had kind of a blip last year, but was poised to break out in that exciting Baltimore offense. And then you've also got Kyle Pitts coming in, someone who I've been incredibly harsh on as a prospect, but I think I'm finally coming around on that I was just too, I think I was just too contrarian a little bit and just, yeah, essentially trying to go against the grain with Kyle Pitts a little bit and how the kind of prospect he was at times. And looking closer now, especially for this episode and just the last couple of weeks, it's been it, it, it really difficult. And the way I approach tight end positions are a lot like Todd. I care a lot about uh, athleticism, the size athleticism. I don't really in- look for tight ends that are 235 pounds or something like that. No, I want like uh, over 250 fast. That I like the athletic measurables. And then I like, I, I enjoy draft cap- draft capitals and everything, but I like some good draft capital with my tight ends. I do think looking at, especially tight end breakouts in particular, Todd, because a lot in the the last several years, it's been, you know, Kelsey Kittle for a set now Waller recently, and then nobody else to a certain extent, but it looking as we're trying to get people to break into the tight end position, like looking at historically at at, uh, tight end breakouts, QB play is a big part of uh, tight ends reaching their full potential. So I agree with you there. And the biggest thing for me too, is that, and what ends up making me a little bit less of, unless there is a, a significant tight end premium, like it's two tight end and a tight end premium on top of that. I usually punt the tight end position or at least the top tier tight end, because I don't think the difference is there for the risk, the injury risk of the position, because it's an historically more injury prone position because they're bigger. These are bigger, faster guys. The collisions are harder. They're being asked to do multiple things against bigger players. And I worry about injuries. So that kind of all wraps into me really caring about you know, obviously production, how much, and the offense, their QB they're tied to, their athleticism, and and, and that's kind of how it goes, Todd. Yeah, man, so um, let's just dive into it. I And I'm like, we're clearly on a similar page, so let's just get into our tiers, baby. Let's do this. So uh, let's start off at tier one. Uh, Dave had three players in his tier one where I had one. Now, my number one overall tight end in tier one is shocking. It's Travis Kelly. Oh, so I, gonna, I thought you were going to be a big T.J. Hawkinson fan, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just got into how he's not going to be in my team on Twitter, and people were saying I was crazy, and I'll get into that later. So <laughs> um, if you look at last year's PPR, and yes, Dave, I included Week 17 because I'm lazy. So, um, so oh, Big size. <laughs> so only three running backs and three wide receivers outscored Kelsey in PPR. And he had almost 140 more points than Logan Thomas, who was the tight end three. He had 30 more points than Kittle in 2019. So it wasn't like he wasn't as dominant in 2019, but it's just more evidence to how he's in a class of his own. And the one thing that I keep seeing on Twitter that I think is just absolutely maddening of how people are telling me that Pitts is the number one uh, dynasty tight end. I understand how athletically and skilled and special of a player he is but that is ridiculous when you're talking about how much of a difference Kelsey means to a starting lineup in terms of winning and losing week in and week out he's literally one of the most consistent fantasy players of any position he is absolutely the most dominant force in in terms of him versus the rest of the field of his position it's not even close Tier one by himself, 
Dave, sell me on why other people deserve to be in this tier. Well, Todd, I really struggled big time with, again, with making the tiers. I literally had three or four different tight end ones at one point. I've been spending a lot of time this week on tight ends. I understand the argument for Pitts over Kelsey, to be honest, Todd. Now, the thing that stops me there is I think year one production is just going to be so so large of a gap that Kelsey still gives you the edge. But I, that's why I end up going Kelsey as my, as my one. And that's part of that is too, Todd. You're talking typical boomer type fashion here, Todd. You're always looking to the past instead of the future. My thing is, is that I just don't see Travis Kelsey finishing almost close to 21 points per game this season. He had a 10% TD rate last year. And honestly, that's not bad because three of the last four years, he's had a 10% TD rate, which is just absolutely freaking incredible. I just think that Casey's offense, some of the moves that they've made this offseason are telling me that maybe that they're, we're going to take a slight, slight step back from the, in the passing game where I don't see, I see Kelsey more in that 18 to 19 points per game versus the 21 points per game that he had last year. What Kelsey did last year was the best year of his career. To expect him to do that again at this age and, and with that kind of efficiency that he had seems unrealistic to me. And that's kind of why I'm, I moved him closer to Kittle and, and Pitts because I think Kittle actually sees a jump in TD percentage this year because he's, only, he's never had more than five t- touchdowns in, in a season. Uh, he's been historically around that 5-6% rate top three tight ends usually come in anywhere around 11, that average is 11% TD rate. Based on, I think this is Kittle's best team that he's been on in his career. And I think this is the, uh, the best offense that he's going to be on with better QB play and ancillary weapons equals more down, more first downs, more yardage, more red zone trips for our friend uh, Kelsey and, or not Kelsey, Kittle. And uh, yeah, I essentially his season's going to hinge on his touchdowns. If he scores more touchdowns than he has historically, I think he's right there with with Kelsey. If not, he's going to go back towards that 15 points per game that he's been at his entire career. I have him coming in around 17 points per game in my when I did my projections, but I can totally see in the range of outcomes where he's 15 points per game. And then when there's a four-point-per-game difference between the number one and number two tight end, Todd, I understand the argument for why Kelsey's far and away the number one tight end. And then just kind of wrapping up my Pitts talk, or with Pitts as my tight end three, I had him in the second, a tier below originally, moved him back up, back down. I had Pitts as my tight end one at one point, because if I really think, like my same argument with Jamar Chase was, if I think he's that great of a tight end prospect, well, why don't I just go with that evaluation and say, hey, he's my tight end one in Dynasty? And the error with that way of thinking, Todd, is that the wide receiver position is a lot different than the tight end position. It takes long, the development and the immediate score, one, uh, unless you're Travis Kelsey, you just don't score as much as wide receivers, especially top end wide receivers. And Pitts, he's young, athletic, and all those things that we like to see. And his actually college production was a little bit more, was a little better than I have maybe said in previous podcasts. Uh, just truly an all around phenomenal tight end. But you really have to say, Todd, to get him up to put his scoring close to Kelsey is just too much of a stretch in year one for a tight end. So realistically, I see, see him even pushing just based on talent, the Atlanta, Atlanta offense and, and Julio leaving. I have him around 12.5-ish points per game with seven to eight TDs, which I felt like was a lot for a rookie and around 800 yards. And I feel like we're talking 
almost eight points per game difference between Kelsey and Pitts. And that's why I, I just couldn't put Pitts ahead of Kelsey, even though I have them all in the same tier. Yeah. And I would say that your projection on Pitts is modest compared to most. And that's a very good, like a phenomenal rookie year for a tight end. And I feel like what Pitts' ADP is, you're literally like drafting him at his ceiling, which is the goat of his position. And I feel like when you're putting that much into a rookie prospect, no matter how fantastic he is, I feel like I like Michael Mayer. I'm like crazy about him. I can't wait for him in two years in drafts. But the thing about it is I won't go into it with the same way that people are doing their pits thing. You still have to be able to like have a little bit of a realistic piece when you look at the rest of it. Travis Kelsey is the most dominant tight end in fantasy you're ever going to see. Like I just that's how I feel. You know, like what he's been able to do is just absolutely just mind-boggling special. And also, let's also not forget the fact that part of it is the fact that he's attached to Patrick Mahomes, right? And pretty soon, like Matt Ryan's a solid fantasy quarterback, but who knows what that situation is going to bring for Kyle Pitts too. So I feel like no matter how talented Kyle Pitts is, you're putting a whole lot of faith into a projection when you're putting him above Travis Kelty, which is absolutely foolish because I'm sorry, that just is a perpetual like rebuilding mindset in my in my opinion. 100% t- uh well I'm going to go outside of that last comment. I'm going to skip that last comment that you just said. Uh <laughs> but I, I'll I'm skip- fine with it because I feel like everybody's always talking about like, you know, what he's going to be able to be down the road for the position where I'm like you're ignoring the dominance of now. You know what I yep. mean? And like this isn't about yesterday. This is about now, <laughs> right? I keep getting told that like I'm a boomer and I look in the past, which is a great <laughs> joke by the way. But the point <laughs> is is like I'm sitting in the current and you're like like oh I don't see like him be able to maintain what he did at this age. I go, he was 30, like he was in his 30s last year when he had his best year. Why, why all of a sudden is like his age an issue now? Just because like, oh, like he maxed out like when he was in his 30s? Like, come on, dude. Are we going to, like, oh, he's just going to go till he's 45, Todd? Come on, that's just tight ends. Bra- Brady's still a top 12 QB pr- uh, prospect, even on a freaking torn and freaking tight, MC. And QBs don't, oh, QBs don't right. get hit. Come on, tight ends is the most physically demanding position. In, that's in, all in, what I'm saying, though. I'm just saying that, like, there's examples to guys that are elite. Like, elite examples are above some rules. And Travis Kelty is above some rules. That's what I'm saying. You could go beyond those th- that train of thought with certain elite Hall of Fame talent. And Travis Kelsey's one of those guys. I heard that argument with Julio Jones. I've heard that argument with AJ. And Julio Jones, AJ Julio Jones got injured. And yeah, well, AJ Green was out for like three years when he all of a sudden called a bounce back. So my point is, is like Julio went down with injury. Let's see what Julio does this year with Tennessee, man. So, and that's While the he's biggest healthy. thing. When he's healthy. I, I think that's some built-in risks, that position, Todd. And Kelsey has been incredibly fortunate with his injuries at the tight end position. And the same thing happened with Tony Gonzalez. Antonio Gates dealt with some lower foot injuries and more injuries towards the end of his career. But they were, you know, those great all-time tight ends tend to be healthier. Grob Gronkowski dealt with more injuries than a typical, these top-flight tight ends that we've seen in the past. Like, So I understand what you're saying, that sometimes these, these elite tight ends are healthier. I just think there is some built-in injury risk and age risk where we're you're paying when you're paying that type of of a premium to get that player, and especially in a non-tight end premium. My, my argument will change when you start adding a premium to the tight end position. I'm just not willing to go in there 
and, and, you know, and you and I both, you've talked about before, we're more of a late tight end round people. So that's just, that kind of goes into my overall Kelsey feels or Kelsey. Todd, you know, we've talked about Kelsey this for like 15 minutes. Uh, I, apparently his, we're supposed to pronounce it Kels. Did you know that? I did not know that. Kels. My bad. Yeah. Kels. I know, I know he's a loyal listener, so I apologize, Travis. Yeah, I guess Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, they were all claiming the wrong name, and then they just basically got, <laughs> so it's oh, Kels. Man, I mean, did his brother even say anything about that, too? I haven't heard anything out of Philly about that. All right, so actually, Dave, so I'm going to get into my tier two, because after my long rant about how Kyle Pitts isn't anywhere close to Travis Kelsey, he's going to lead off my tier two. <laughs> so... I think, like, my whole argument is, is not the fact that I don't think that Kyle Pitts is, like, a tr- like I think he's an unbelievable dynasty asset. And whether you believe him or not, he's got to be your two, just based off trade value. People are nuts about Kyle Pitts. And going into 2022, you, like, so here's, here's what I'm going to say. Is going into 2020 for C2C, it was a race between Pitts, Fryermuth, and Jordan for me. Well, that changed really quickly when we saw the type of athleticism, speeds, and ball skills that Pitts has. And he essentially got Kyle Trask drafted in the second round. I do think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but based just off of what you can get back for him, he has to be number two. His trade value is freaking bonkers right now. If I had Kyle Pitts and I drafted him, I would really consider moving him just to see what I could get back. But... He's got to be your two. I love Kyle Pitts. I just think that people are just like in the clouds about him, in my opinion. Question, Todd. Yes. Do you think there, the problem is in that situation where, where I have Kyle Pitts on my team, don't you think there'd be a FOMO with him where, hey, I got him on my team and before he ever plays a freaking snap, I trade him away? That I feel like that's, you know, there is, I know we always want to win and, and all of that that goes into trying to be a, a to win, you know, you were trying to win. But there is part of me as just a fan of and enjoying fantasy football. That heartbreak of trading away pits before you ever played a game would be kind of rough. I'm okay with people choosing being a fan over winning. That's your choice. Like, oh, come game, on, come on, Todd. Come, that, you know what I'm trying true. to say, though. But that's true, though. You're still talking about a rookie tight end coming in for production. If you're in a rebuild situation and you got Kyle Pitts probably not gonna like you might be able to like put together like a nice package for some other players but that's probably not gonna work well for your team if you ain't a Kyle Pitts and you're somewhere in the middle like Kyle Pitts is the kind of player that you could move and make some significant moves to actually probably get yourself into like the top three pieces in your league and you probably can get a pretty good tight end back in your deal too so like to me it's just kind of like yeah I get it man like I feel like that feeling about people have with Pitts is the same feeling I have with Jamar Chase, right? But at the same time, I would entertain any offer for Jamar Chase. I would entertain any offer for C.D. Lamb if I had them. But you're going to pay up. And people are like people tend to not want to pay up on those guys. I, I've gotten not a single good offer on those players. It's so bad I don't even counter them. Point being is that like I get that emotion, but... You have to separate yourself from that if you're looking to build a roster. I would tr- trade Brady at any point of my fantasy life, and he's my all-time favorite player because I'm looking to win more than anything. It's not just the feeling because it's the feeling also of what happens when he does, if he does smash, like a lot of people think he's going to do. So it's like not just the feeling, 
But I do think you brought up a great point about if you're a rebuilding team of not having pits. I actually kind of like that deal more. Whereas if I'm a top team or I'm trying to push into the top, like if I'm like a top three or 33% of the league, like a top four team, I actually kind of like that idea of having pits a little bit more because it's a sustainable window. Um, and I know everyone's like, well, you're going to compete now. Just go for Kelsey. Yeah, but I also kind of like having multiple chances at trying to put myself over the, the top build value on your roster. So I agree. If you don't have a lot of assets and you've put a lot of assets into acquiring pits on a, on a team that's really barren of other talent, I under, I totally think, yeah, that's when you want to really try to accrue value. But that, that I, I, so I, I will uh, split some hairs there, Todd. So uh, uh, just to back up my point, I had a plan where I had four rookie picks. I had the three, the four, the six, and the seven in, in one week, right? And my plan was to get two QBs and then Najee and Pitts. And I was going to flip both Najee and Pitts. And then I, was, I thought that those two players and flipping them would be able to put me at the top of that week. Well, Najee went two, which I wasn't upset about because I got Fields and Lance, which I was over the moon about. And then Pitts went five. Yeah, I pivoted and I ended up getting Chase, who I love. And then I took Zach Wilson, who I think is an unbelievable value right now as a rookie QB. Yeah, so to me, it's kind of like I was going to put my money where my mouth was. I just never got the opportunity. And I mean, there was, I mean, I was happy with my poll, but I like, do I think Najee Harris could be a stud? Absolutely. Do I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a stud? Absolutely. But I'm also not opposed to the idea of understanding what their ceiling offers versus what I can get back just based off that hype, man. People are nuts about those guys. So yeah. All right. So that was a long, nice Kyle Pitts conversation. I, I, that, I thoroughly enjoyed that day. I we have thoroughly. not talked a lot of tight ends or Kyle Pitts, so it's good to get that out in the airwaves. Right. So let me just wrap up my tier two and then let you, we'll go into your tier two. So my tier two had uh, three players in it, just so you guys know, and Dave's had four. So in between my tier one and Dave's, between our tier ones and tier twos, I have four players and Dave has seven. So my number three uh, tight end was uh, Waller. And I was concerned the 2019 uh, TD finish was a fluke. Clearly it wasn't. He outproduced Thomas, who was the tight end three by 100 points. 145 uh, targets I could see decreasing, but I don't see it being very drastic. Like maybe a four of like 120. I mean, the guy is a legit number one option in a passing offense. And I mean, I'm a little bit of a fanboy from his story and just like what he overcame to be where he's at. So, but the production's there. He's done it for two years and I don't see any injury concerns with him. That's why he's three for me over George Kittle. Now, Dave, get comfortable. You're going to really like this, okay? The reason George Kittle is at number four is because Dave got in my head so bad last year about his play style and injury risk. And if you listen to our podcast enough, you know that Dave is like the most optimistic person about injuries ever. So, of course, I had Kittle on my team, and then he got hurt. I, I freaking traded Kittle because I just didn't want to deal with what could be coming out of it. And if you watch Kittle play... He's an injury risk waiting to happen because the guy just smashes, 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 smashes. If he could remain healthy, he should finish the top three tight end, right? With ease, you know? Well, maybe top four because I still think Waller could outperform him, right? So, and then the other piece that I have, if we're so hellbent on Ayuk being who he is and Debo coming back healthy, there's a lot more competition for Kittle than when he broke out. When Kittle broke out, he was their number one option. Brandon Ayuk 
could easily outproduce Kittle. Debo Samuel is in the realm of possibility to in, to outproduce Kittle. Do I think he will? Probably not if Kittle is healthy, but I could easily see Ayuk doing it. So Kittle's not even necessarily the number one option on his own team anymore. Now, he's still top, he's still on my tier two, and he's still on my number four tight end. So I'm not completely saying I'm off on him, but I seriously doubt you're seeing me draft Kittle because I, he probably had to fall to like late third, like early fourth for me to consider him. Same thing with Waller, honestly, too. So these are guys I typically wouldn't see because you'll be seeing guys definitely spending up on them first, first me. All right, Dave, you want to break down your tier two or ask any questions? Yeah, a question for you, Todd, is what, yeah, what, how did you, how was it for you balancing Pitts' age with Waller and Kittle? Was that basically what put Pitts ahead of them and his, his prospect profile? Because I always find it really, age is always really tricky when you have vet, like 28, 29 years old for, for Waller and Kittle here. So it gets difficult to balance it out. Was that something there or were you just, hey, Pitts is that good? Let's just slot him right there. That's such a good question. Okay. So definitely Pitts getting two is his ceiling. But his floor, I think, is particularly safe. I think that what you put out for him in year one, which you said was around seven or eight touchdowns and 800 yards, that's fantastic production any year for any tight end, right? That's his floor. like throughout his career maybe and if you don't hit on him if you hit his four like you're still getting an, an amazingly productive player with no injury concerns right and in a pass happy offense i i love a lot of things that kyle pitts brings to that now age plays a big part in that for me waller came in pretty old but i also think that waller doesn't have the same wear and tear for a guy of his age so like yeah until I don't see, like, I think we've seen the best of Waller. I think we've seen the best of Kittle. It's less like, like you said with Kittle, like if Kittle's like TDs go up, like obviously that could be it. But I just think that Pitch just offers such a better ceiling than both of those guys. And I think that his floor is maybe not the same floor you get from a Waller or a Kittle, but it's comparable. That's what I think it is. I think it's like his floor is like 80% of what those two guys could do. You know what I mean? So like I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna swing for the fences, especially if I'm gonna invest that kind of capital in a tight end. You know, I don't I, I seriously doubt in a startup I, I'm gonna get any of these guys. And these are guys I'm also probably not gonna trade for because I think that you're gonna be paying top dollar for them. I'm gonna go trade for other guys. Todd, I just think you've been hanging around with me too much with your, your Kyle Pitts love right there. You, gosh, you're just stealing p- numbers right out of my book or pages right out of my book there with your Kyle Pitts love. It's, it's crazy <laughs> yeah, man i i i love kyle pitts and like like it was crazy like i actually think that i was going between him fryer muth and jordan as the one two and three in my preseason for c2c all year like they all had the one two or three spot and then like when the season came out i go wow i mean i definitely missed on a on a huge ceiling there you know what i mean so um but yeah so anyways you want to go through your tier two bud yeah so this man again i a really razor thin for me in my tier two, but Hawkinson comes at four in my as my tight end four in Dynasty. And the only thing stopping him from being in my tier one is the team he's on. It just Detroit is not good. They're it, uh, Goff at, at tight end. And like I said earlier, if you look at the breakouts, you really need a great, a good tight end or a good wide receiver or a good quarterback. And I just don't see it there with Goff to be able to. And that offense is a bunch of, it feels like a bunch of just, mismatched uh, hodgepodge type wide receiver core and DeAndre Swift and, and Jamal Williams. So it's tough to get excited about Hawkinson, but I do think the volume is going to be there. I have him right around 
seven and a half targets per game, right around 900 receiving yards, 13 and a half points per game. And that put him right near where I'm having Waller at. So just basically based on age, I have Waller or Hawkinson over Waller and the idea that too, hey, if Hawkinson is just that good and, and to what JJ Zacharyson writes about tight ends, just don't breakouts don't just come out of nowhere. So people who are like, we're like, oh, well, Hawkinson hasn't broken out yet and yada, yada. Well, if you look at a lot of tight end breakouts, they were not, if they're not amazing or really good, they were good before they broke out. They jumped out. So Hawkinson put in a very solid year last season. And I really could see him exploding this year or just, or putting up relative similar production at a younger age and sustaining his value for more than Waller. And man, did I really struggle between, I, so I didn't really struggle as much for Hawkinson, but Wall. so then at, at five comes Waller, six comes Andrews, and seven Fant. I mixed and matched these. They're so close for me. It, it was tough to decide. But essentially with Waller is I'm expecting a dip in volume, and that comes from a top-down approach with the Raiders. I just don't see that. I, I'm struggling to see that offense and Waller's efficiency. I just see him. Just overall, I, I, I see that the, the target's going just down to where he was more the year before to that instead of that nine targets per game. So seven and a half targets, nine half receiving yards, comes in right around 13 and a half points per game, maybe 14 points per, you know, right around 14 points per game, sorry. Uh, seven and a half, eight targets. And I really like Waller. It's just an injury issue. And then Andrews, razor thin here again, because it's simply that I want Andrews and I like him attached to Lamar Jackson. And I and I'm just betting on that Lamar. I'm betting on Lamar Jackson to be a to be to hit more as a wide receiver. Andrews had a couple of drops, a couple of just not where you'd like to see last year. I, I'm expecting him to bounce back to where he's right around where Waller is from a points per game perspective. And I and I had fan above Andrews, and I just couldn't do it because of the QB, QB play and all of what goes into that Denver offense. Uh, and the, the coaching staff. I'm not really thrilled. I love the offensive line coach there out there in Denver, but uh, as far as their offensive play calling, the QB approach, and I, I'm not thrilled that Fant... I think he is incredibly great after the catch. He is athletic. He is just a, a solid tight end. I think he has more... I think he might have more natural skill than Andrews and Waller, uh, and the only thing that's holding him back is his situation, or else I would have Fant right up there with Hawkinson, or maybe even ahead of Hawkinson. Yeah, man, I, I actually love Fanton Hawkinson. I, I think that, you know, when you're talking about just pure ability and ceiling athleticism, Hawkinson and Fant are just, uh, it's so funny that they were teammates too in college, and uh, both became like similar tiered tight ends. I, I love their upside. Yeah, I mean, I have any questions, Dave, because I think you just totally hit that perfectly. So I just think it's just a perfect, segue to go into like my third tier because i have those two guys in that tier let's get into it yeah so i can you can kind of we can banter once i give my take all right so in my third tier i have four guys and dave has three so dave would be up to 10 tight ends and i would be up oh, my bad i have five so and i would be up to i think about 10 as well yep so we both be at 10 at the end of the third tier all right so my number five overall uh, tight end would be Mark Andrews. And I think it's, this is where I'm, it was a last minute switch into tier three. I had him in tier two. Very good tight end who's an excellent red zone target. And this is really based off his volume. And me not really sure about what 
is going to be able to give him like more targets and giving him better chance of production like that. And I like Andrews, but I also think that, you know, I think Rashad Bateman is going to be a target hog at some point. I think that I'm still a believer in Tylen Wallace. I, 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 I'm just not falling off that in my heart. And then you also have Hollywood Brown there. It, and then also it's a run heavy offense, you know? So I, I, Mark Andrews is the most premier tight end that is the most t- touchdown dependent. And if I feel like a, like one of the top five tight ends is touchdown dependent versus the other four, that just drops him into another tier for me. You know, he's not going to eat up yards like a Kittle or a Pitts or like a Waller or get that target share. That's what dropped him into my third tier. Now, with Hawkinson, I feel like his potential should put him into the second tier, right? But beating on the Lions drops him into the third tier for me. It's not an offense I have any faith in. And the tight end positions, I want something attached to like an ascending offense. And Jared Goff sucks. So, and I don't know who's going to be the next QB there. Goff's under contract for a while. His talent speaks to me in putting him this high. But his ceiling, I honestly feel, is capped by what I would view as the new succubus. I'm not really sold on Campbell either. So I feel like Hawk at six speaks more to his situation than it does to him as a talent. As a talent, he should be in the second tier, no doubt. But until Detroit is no longer a mess or he's not in Detroit, I can't do it. That's just not, it's just not worth the, like, what his capital is to me. Dave, do you have any thoughts on Hawkinson before I keep going? Dave? So what separates uh, Fant, I think Fant and Hawkinson, I, I think they're just neck and neck for talent-wise. But for Hawkinson, he doesn't have to compete for targets with three other really solid wide receivers. Oh, and whereas Hawkinson could be the leading target getter on his team, I think that buoys me. And I'm a little bit worried about TDs. I think you're right to, to worry about TDs with Hawkinson. But I just, that kind of what set that upside for Hawkinson overall puts him over Andrews for me. And I, th- I think you said it right about the TD, that TD reliability with Andrews, where he doesn't score a touchdown in a week. It really doesn't help you a lot in your lineup. So that does hurt you as far as a week to week situation, but those boom weeks help you too. So it, so it's a catch 20 do if you do damn if you do damn if you don't situation with Andrews sometimes well said and I feel like when you're talking about like I love what you said about Hawkinson probably leading that team in targets that's totally in the wrong possibilities and I really do like that I just think that his situation and then Andrews dependency that just takes him out of tier two for me I mean I don't like them I'm not gonna have any either of those guys based off their ADP because the guy that I'm going to have the most share of is my number seven tight end, and it's Mike Kasek. By far, my favorite tight end target. His 135 ADP, the 11th round. I was confident enough to take him in the eighth round of my Scott Fishbowl, because that's what I believe in him. Finished as the tight end seven last year, 85 targets, 53 receptions, 701 yards, and six TDs. That is an excellent year for a tight end. And I would say that we're just scratching the service with him. I believe in the talent. His athleticism is absolutely off the charts. And this is an offense that is greatly improving this year. Greatly improving. I think the addition of a Waddle actually helps a Kaseki by able to opening up like the middle of that field more. But also, Kaseki's the kind of player with the athleticism that can actually stretch the field for like a big play and play in those intermediate sets. His versatility is just so dynamic that... 
I, I just love the idea of him being paired with Tua. Tua, historically coming out of Bama, I mean, Tua does not have a weak arm. I mean, he's not a bomber like an Aaron like Rodgers, but he's got a big arm. But his accuracy and the way he's able to throw accurately on the move is what made him into that top-tier talent. So I'm banking on a significant improvement in year two between Tua and Gusecki, and I think Gusecki's the biggest beneficiary to that, right? So I'd like to call this a flag plant, but like saying somebody's going to be a top five tight end is not really that impressive of a call at this point. You know, like it's in a position like that. But let's also talk about like me putting all my eggs in this basket. I'm putting all of what I believe of his ceiling in an 11th round pick, not a fifth, sixth, or seventh, an 11th round pick. And I do think that people, what they say about Fant and what they say about Hawk, how is Gasecki not in that conversation? I don't understand it. I just don't. They're like their profiles are pretty similar, like across the board to me. Gasecki, by far, my number seven tight end. I have over Fant, and that's also because do I think that Fant could be better than Gasecki? I call that neck and neck. Gasecki, Fant, and Hawk all in the same talent line for me. Fant, I just like it's his ADP. You know, I'd rather take Goddard who technically is around the same ADP, but I've definitely seen him slip more than Fant. I'd rather go get Kaseki or Jonu Smith, and I'd rather target another like wide receiver or even a running back where Fant's going. And like Dave already said, there's so many mouths to feed in Denver, and that QB situation is so bleak. So between that, the ADP, and the fact that I don't think that he's that much better than uh, Kaseki, I'm all set. I'm passing on. Thoughts? Yeah, so when I wa- actually sit and I watch uh, Gusecki versus Fant play, I actually think that uh, Fant's a, a different tier talent-wise. But I like a lot about what you said as far as Tua. And actually, that's why I struggle with Gusecki because I think there are... It, do- it is a little interesting where Gusecki fall- is going to fall in with that offense because Waddle slides in the slot. Gusecki got a lot of slot action last year. I think that's all interesting, but I do think Tua is going to make a big jump. I've done a lot of research re- recently on year one to year two for top quarter, like top quarterback prospects. And that jump is significant. So everyone who's like, Oh, his, his accuracy was lame. His A dot, his AYA, all these things people are, are attacking Tua for. If you just look historically at that jump from year one to year two, a lot of things change because, and that, so I'm expecting a big sophomore jump from Tua. And to be attached to it is exciting. So, but I just viscerally, I I do see a little bit different talent gap between Fant and and uh, Kisicki. And I think that's fair. I, I I do. I like if I had to put uh, talent, I probably go Hawk Fant Kisicki. I just think they're in the same tier. I I could never argue that. Yeah, Kisicki's definitely better than Fant because I can't. But I also think that. With Fant, I also think when they had so many injuries, I think he got like kind of highlighted a little bit more. I'm in love with Gusecki, and I would love to have Fant. I just feel like where he's going in drafts, I'd rather just wait. I'd rather just wait in the position. Depending on my build, yeah, maybe i take a stab on Fant, but probably not. And then just to round out my, my third tier, the time has come for Dallas Goddard to finally be the guy in Philadelphia tight end. This is a highlight film that I literally fell in love with when he was a rookie. And it's the main reason I took a gamble on him in the third round of that rookie draft. Yeah, I think that I think he's a great pair with Hertz, who's also not the strongest thrower. So I could see him targeting 
his big athletic tight end on a scramble more than more than often, more frequently than not. Health is definitely a concern with Goddard, and he'd probably need to slip past his like 90 ADP for me into somewhere in the hundreds to be consideration. But I've seen that. I've seen that in plenty of mocks. I've seen that in plenty of real drafts of that happening. I would probably have to be kind of getting him like at getting him past his ADP. Goddard would round it out for me. Dave, tell the people your tier three. I'm flip-flopping here because it is close for me, but it comes up with Evan Ingram at eight for me, Dallas Goddard at nine, and Mike Kosicki at 10. Uh, and I just changed this before I started reading. So that just shows you how much conviction I have that differentiates this tier. Evan Ingram, two, as a rookie, he had over 115 targets. Last year, he had 105 targets. I understand that he disappointed, like he had some drops and everything like that saying, and I understand they added Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley's coming back. I just believe in the talent with Evan. I just think there people are looking over some of the qual the positive attributes that go into Evan Ingram. I think he, I also really like his price and how down people are on Evan Ingram. So I really like that. Dallas Goddard, I back and forth over Evan Ingram or over Mike Gesicki or not. I'm just don't know what the heck, what is going on with Zach Ertz? Why has he not, is he still there? And he's not, why is he still on the team? So I, I do worry a little bit there. And then with the QB situation, I do think Jalen Hurts makes a little bit jump going into year two with his accuracy and a year in that offense, or actually it's going to be a new offense, but I just I think that he makes a slight jump in some things. So I, I like Dallas Goddard. I didn't have a lot of conviction either way over Evan Ingram, Mike Kosicki, or Dallas Goddard. And so I follow with Mike Kosicki last, and it basically what I said what is one it, is that it's going to it goes into everything I'm saying about just how, where is got where is Kaseki going to play? Where is he going to get his snaps? And they did add another tight end in the third round. And while I don't think that that's going to significantly change, you know, I don't think that means that Kaseki should be worried about his job. But I think Hunter Long is a little bit more can can probably block a little bit more and is more of a traditional tight end. And they get that kind of and then being I think this is the last year of his contract too. So there's little questions about. Yeah, how long is he going to be attached to two or four? So there, it just that's kind of wraps up. But I, I do not have a lot, as you can tell, Todd. I don't have a lot of conviction. I do like having any of these players on my roster. If I forego early tight ends, I like to try. I personally really want to get in on Hawkinson or Fant or even Andrews. I, those are like the three that I would like to pay up for out of any of these that we've talked about so far. Or maybe, and I like to get Kittle too. Now I like to buy. I'm buying back in on the Kittle. I just I, I'm cool with any one of these because I think all three of them have upside that people may, might aren't considering necessarily. Dude, I I just got to say on Hunter Long, like that was like one of my sleepers, and like he got some good capital, and then when he went in Miami, I was like, ah, oh, ah, oh. talk about like pulling at my heartstrings. I watched a decent amount of like Hunter Long, given the fact he's a BC player, and we get all those games locally. Long is a good player, man. Like, like super fluid, great blocker. Like Dave said, he's just a complete tight end. And I just love that move for Miami. So, like, just adds so much versatility to their offense. Like, I, you're going to see a good amount of, like, 12 personnel from them. And I think it's going to be awesome. And they're going to be able to do a lot of good things. And I think the addition for Long, like, and be able to play that 12 personnel is actually going to help Gaskins a lot, too. Because they're going to be able to be a little more versatile in that lineup, whether they're, like, throwing it. And there's going to be a lot more efficiency with that. All right. In typical Tale of Two Rivals fashion, we're going to have to do tiers in two parts because we got heavy on some analysis. So I would say that, you know, we pretty much went over like, you know, your tight end one landscape, 
your studs, if you will. Yeah, I think so. We'll come back next week with a, a late a late round tight end episode. So, David, you want to tell the people where they can find you? you can find me at FF underscore Spaceman. I also am over at the Rookie Fear podcast with Fanero and Swags. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I went off the deep end this week, uh, raging about uh, some Gabriel Davis hate. Always check me out over on the Rookie Fever and over on the Patreon. Made a video last night. I have a couple more in the queue. So, yeah, I have a lot of fun, Todd. And like the doctor said, we're not making it. Fu- we're not making it. Fu- 40 weeks and we're at 37 weeks today so doc thinks we're got a week or two left not sure if i'm going to be able to get that dlf article in but my hope my desire is i want to write one more dlf article too and and and, and even if i don't there's a lot of good stuff having up dlf so check all of that stuff out i've actually ended my subscription with dlf since dave has not written an article because that was the only reason of course not dude dlf is phenomenal uh, <laughs> and, and they're and they're lucky to have you man all right, you can find me at FF underscore Banterman. I am going to be putting out some more Devi articles out on the on the IDP Guys website. Definitely look into the IDP Guys Invitational. And uh, I'm definitely going to be putting out uh, some Devi C2C content. Love hitting people up on Twitter. As for my podcast, decided to give that a little bit of a back burner. And I think when uh, Dave goes on uh, leave from the show... I might just fit in some uh, some Devi tales within our feed and uh, have on some of my friends to banner a little Devi under our feed. I haven't told Dave that, but I know he's fine with it. So, um, but yeah, but definitely come check me out and um, happy trading, everybody. Todd, I man, we uh, I can't believe that's how much we talked about tight ends today, <laughs> dude. Honestly, like I feel like I have the most to say about this this position, just because like I find tight end ADP like crazy, man. It, it's it's insane, you know. So like I, I just I just want Mike Kosecki everywhere. <laughs> like I want to join startups just to draft Mike Kosecki. <laughs> so I think uh, I think he's a flag plan for me, but it's like. He finished like tight end seven, and I'm like, he's gonna be five and move up two spots. Like, it's not that, you know. But um, yeah, man, no, t- I, huh? I think they're tired of us talking about tight ends, Todd. I was, I, I couldn't think of anything to lead off for the the, the going away shit. So I was like, oh, dude, I didn't no, want to go for I, ten minutes on tight. I, I'll, I'll talk about tight ends all day, baby. I'm gonna <sighs> get into the strategy and tell people where to be targeting this next time. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, I'm gonna go jump in the pool with my kid.